Hello and welcome again to the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. Uh, I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. And today we'll, we will be updating the final round of CONCACAF qualifying for World Cup 2022. Um, before the round, we did a team preview and a player preview for each team. Uh, we won't be repeating all that information here, but we do urge you to check out those podcasts uh, at our website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. Um, and let's start with, uh, I guess, a summary of the information covered in each of those podcasts. Right. Uh, for each of the team podcasts, we uh, quite a bit of stuff gave some information on the country, like its location and population. Uh, an overview of their beginnings and their achievements and general strength in the region uh, and in the world. Uh, then we moved on to a summary of their history and their performance in World Cup competition. Uh, this one was given a little more detail because we're focused on the World Cup here and uh, a closer look at their last two World Cup performances. And then uh, a less detailed of their history and performance in regional competition uh, this was called the CONCACAF Championship from 1963 to 91 and the Gold Cup from 1991. Uh, and once again, we took a closer look at their last two Gold Cup performances. And then we moved on to a look at their recent history, uh, any previous round games or significant friendlies, a brief look at their players in the team podcast, uh, especially focused on their goal scorers. Uh, we looked at their rankings in FIFA and ELO, their head-to-head -head record with the other teams in the group, in the group, and whew, finally a discussion of their schedule and prospects. Yeah, and we'll we'll put our predictions to the test as we go through these uh, team files. Um, for each of the player podcasts, uh, we organized the team into position and looked at the players who had been filling those positions in recent times. Uh, we gave some biographical information on them, uh, specifically their history with the national team. Um, and kind of predicted who would be the main candidates in each position. Uh, so once again, in this podcast, we won't be repeating all of that. Uh, rather, we will be looking back on how this round has gone for each team and how correct we were in our predictions of their performance and their players. Uh, sometimes we were right, uh, but sometimes players we expected to be used were not, and new players also came in. Yeah, um, just a note on that, Connor. Uh, so we won't be giving the uh, biographical information. So I hope uh, listeners kind of view it as a companion podcast to the other one, kind of the biographical information in the uh, previous podcast and maybe just biographical information for new players here, but mostly just a, an update on where they've been positioned, how much they've been playing and, and so on. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um when we will have a look at the players um, here, though, just a brief look, and then we will uh, look to the future and discuss the prospects um, of the teams and the players kind of from this midpoint uh, forward. So uh, let's begin. Uh, here we will be looking at the top, um, I guess we'll be looking at the top teams first um, after uh, eight out of 14 games played. Um, and we're going to begin with Canada. All right, uh, great. And we will move up to see how they've performed. Um, do, uh, well, do you want to take us through that, Kanda? How they, uh, Connor, how, the, how, have, how have we been doing so far? That's right. Well, I think we were cautiously optimistic or, or in some cases perhaps boldly optimistic um, previously. Um, but Canada has, you know, probably even outperformed that. Um, after eight games, they sit top of the group 
um, which I think far exceeds expectations. Um, they kind of got off to um, an all right start with a draw against Honduras at home, a game they kind of looked a bit nervous in. Um, then they picked up a very creditable uh, draw in the United States. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, at home, they really uh, performed well. They beat El Salvador 3 nothing, picked up another great road draw in Mexico, uh, followed that up with a point in Jamaica, um, and then won their last three games at home, uh, beating Panama, Costa Rica, and Mexico uh, 2-1 in their most recent game. Yeah, and I just want to say uh, on a personal note, uh, Connor and I were at those last two games because they were in Edmonton, uh, in the snows of Edmonton, and uh, we bundled up and went out to the game. How was it for you, Connor? That's right. I, I think uh, the stadium here in Edmonton was nicknamed Ice Tecca. Um, temperatures were down to minus 14 degrees Celsius, um, and they uh, had to clear snow off the field. So it was kind of a look like a little fort of snow. Um, so definitely cold temperatures. Um, it was cold on the field, I guess, or sorry, cold in the stands. I guess on the field you're staying warm, but all the players, Canadians included, uh, looked pretty chilly out there. Yeah, I think there was... Uh, uh, it actually wasn't too bad for the Costa Rica game, maybe around minus three, but between those two games, uh, on the day of the Mexico game, there was a heavy snowfall and and the temperature went down to about minus 14. Yeah, that's right. I, I should say more of the snows for the second game. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was um, great to be able to see some of these games live. And um, there was over 40,000 people at both games and a very partisan Canadian crowd, which uh, hasn't always been the case. Um, so it was great to see the enthusiasm for uh, for Canada and kind of really feels like momentum's building in the right way, which, of course, we're happy about. Yeah, and even when we watch the uh, games uh, in Toronto, the, the the atmosphere, I think, is something like we've never really experienced in Canada before. Absolutely. Yeah, but getting away from the, the personal aspect of it, I mean, we're not denying that we're big fans of Canada, but, uh, but uh, I would say for any team, um, wins on the road, uh, sorry, wins at home and ties on the road is, is what you want to get, even against... Uh, you know, a team like Jamaica uh, that that's less strong but uh, tough to play away. Absolutely, and Canada's just done just that. They've won four or five games at home and tied all their games on the road. Um, they've already been to USA and been to Mexico, so they have those, you know, arguably their two most difficult games out of the way. Um, so, yeah, it's all going according to plan. Um, yeah, or, yeah, as you said, even better than... Uh, than according to plan. Now, it is true that they have played five games at home and, and three on the road. But as you said, those are two of the toughest road games uh, out of the way. So yeah. um, it's looking good down the road. Yeah, they are the only undefeated team uh, uh, after eight games. Um, and, and out of those eight results, which one kind of stands out the most for you? I mean, uh, because we were at the last two games, those ones stand out. But but I would actually say the ties in, in Mexico and USA are uh, probably the most significant results. We bested uh, Mexico now, and uh, we stand a chance of besting USA because we play them uh, at home next time. Uh, you know, I'm not bent on being first. I, at the beginning, we were happy if they were in the top four. I would say now my hope is in the top three. 
but how about you on that same question? Yeah, I think the draws on the road were great, but I think actually beating Mexico at home um, is just a really amazing result for them. Um, it secured, like you said, four points off Mexico. They bested them. Um, and I think it was kind of a, a statement win. I think it'll give them huge confidence. Um, you know, they've wanted to test themselves against the better teams in the region. Um, and I think the draws are great, but I think the win against Mexico is is kind of really a, a historic result for Canada um, and a real springboard uh, for the rest of the qualification. Well, I certainly don't argue that. Uh, another really good point is is uh, 13 goals over the eight games. Uh, again, something we've never really uh, experienced in Canada. And let's take a look at those scorers, Connor. Yeah, another thing we haven't experienced is goals coming from all over the field. And we did touch on that in our previous podcast, that they do have scores in different positions. Um, the two forwards, Kyle Laren and Jonathan David, lead the way with four and three goals, um, respectively. Um, but goals also coming from the midfield, Alfonso Davies, Tejon Buchanan, uh, Tiba Hutchinson, Osorio. Um, so it's a really good mix, and, and a lot of their attacking players are producing. Yeah, uh, you were telling me before the podcast about Jonathan David. Uh, do you want to repeat that here? Um, yeah, he's he's having a phenomenal season uh, with Lille um, and is one of the top goal scorers in the French League. Um, I think after playing the Mexico game, he went back to France and scored a couple of goals right away. So um, he's having a great season, um, you know, both in the national and uh, domestic front. Yeah. And did you say he was being sought after by bigger clubs? That's right. Um, I, Liverpool have been linked with Jonathan David. So, um, you know, we could be seeing more of him in the, in the Premier League potentially, especially if he keeps his form up with Lille. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, let's take a closer look at the uh, at the players. We'll go through um, we'll go through the uh, positions and talk about who's been playing in which position. Uh, uh, but before that, we'll uh, talk a little bit in general and then look at the formations that they've been using. Do you want to uh, talk about it generally? Sure. So, in our players podcast at the beginning of this round. Uh, we portray Canada as a much improved and continually improving team. Uh, we were reluctant to, to say this made them a strong candidate for the top four, but uh, as I said, we were hopeful. Um, and again, the, point, the results to this point exceeded even our highest hopes. Um, the team has not only performed well, um, but lesser players have improved to become important players, and a few new names have been added that at least strengthen the bench um, and at most offer uh, some promising prospects. Um, and again, we urge listeners to go back to the podcast for greater deal, greater detail Sorry, uh, on most of the players that we'll just mention by name here. Great. Now let's take a look at the formations. Well, Canada is one of the more complex uh, countries as far as this goes um, because they, they seem to ch change formation uh, with every game. Uh, so generally, you know, uh, they well, there's no generally about it. Sometimes they have three defenders at the back, sometimes four. Uh, generally, they have four or five in the midfield. And again, about half the time they have one uh, forward and about half the time uh, using two forwards. So uh, we'll see with other teams that there tends to be a pattern with, um, with the formation. But with Canada, really the only pattern... Uh, was for three games in a row they used a 4-2-3-1 uh, 
uh, in the middle, but otherwise it was uh, it was kind of a different formation every time. Uh, any comments on that, or should we move on? Let's move on because it, it leads well into uh, just a manager I'll mention briefly, John Herdman. Um, as I as you mentioned, he's changed formation a lot, but he's also changed personnel. Um, there's been a lot of movement, and um, you know I think squad rotation, which speaks a bit to the depth. Um, that Canada has now and and um, younger players or, or newer players stepping out. So it's it's kind of a luxury that he's had and he's kind of used that to his advantage, tinkering formations and lineups uh, kind of on a game-by-game -game basis. Great, yeah. He's very popular in Canada and has created a really good spirit on the team. They call each other uh, brothers uh, almost every time I see them on camera. Yeah, uh, let's move on to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, I would just second that very popular figure here. Very good motivator. Um, but yeah, let's start with the players and we'll go on to goalkeepers. Right. OK, so uh, uh, Borian, uh, Milan Borian is the starter. And in fact, he's the captain of the team. He actually wasn't available for three games in the middle. So uh, the substitute, Maxime Crepo, uh, took command of the net. And uh, James Pantamus was the other backup keeper, the third string keeper, um, uh, and he, uh, but he didn't see any action. Um, uh, James Lutweiler and St. Clair, Dane St. Clair, were both used in the Gold Cup, so we thought uh, they might uh, be on the bench a couple of times, but alas, they were not. It was just the three. Uh, Borian with Crepo as second string and Pantamus as third string keeper. Yeah. Over to defenders. Yeah, we'll start in the middle with central defenders. So Canada has sometimes played with a back three and sometimes a back four. Um, Stephen Vittoria seems a first choice, um, but he has switched out for Daniil Henry. Uh, when it is four defenders, uh, left back Kamal Miller has often been uh, the second central defender. Uh, Scott Kennedy and Derek Cornelius each had one start um, against the USA and Jamaica, respectively. Uh, Kennedy actually went out with an injury and is not uh, on the team after game three. Um, he was replaced by Cornelius, who was on the bench for four of the last five games. Okay, now moving over to uh, left back. Uh, Connor has already mentioned Camille Miller. So that's his uh, natural position. But it's a fairly fluid position on the Canada team. Uh, Camille Miller changes from left back to left central defender uh, when it's a three-man back line or sometimes even a two-man back line, uh, two-man central defense. And he'll also move up the field to left midfielder uh, sometimes. But uh, Sam Adekube has uh, effectively graduated from being a sub to a starter, uh, not replacing Miller, but, for example, playing... Uh, left midfielder when Miller moves back into the defense. So the position overlaps somewhat uh, with the left midfielders, but we will uh, we'll discuss the role of uh, the left midfield uh, later. Would you consider him a starter at this point, Connor? Adekubi uh, did start the game against Mexico and, and played very well. Um, and in fact, some thought he was a man of the match against Costa Rica. So um, I think on the base of his performances, I think Herdman is going to look to find a way to keep him in the team. 
Yeah, well, the left side is uh, is pretty stacked, but we'll come back to that after looking at the uh, right backs. Yeah, so there's a bit of a similar situation on the right side with Alistair Johnson, who has really become a key player for the team. Um, he's he's the main man there, starting all eight games. Um, like Miller on the left, he he ranges from right back to right central defender to almost right midfielder at the uh, at times, um, but. Um, yeah, I would say he's he's kind of made that right back position his own when he's when he's starting there. Absolutely, and to call back to your uh, uh, Canadians being called, I think on purpose he came out. I don't know if it was the Costa Rica or Mexico game, but kind of in in uh, shorts and short sleeve shirt, and I I think he was uh, trying to get a bit of a psychological edge <laughs> over Mexico there. He is a tough player for sure. <laughs> Yeah, he has. He's really come on. Uh, anyway, we'll move on to midfielders. And because the left and right back positions overlap with the midfield so much, we'll talk about left and right midfielders and wingers uh, first as we move into the midfield. And we'll start on the right because we've just covered Alistair Johnson as right back. And uh, uh, that position overlaps a little bit with the midfielders. Uh, so so yes. let's move on to the right midfielders and wingers then. So this position is generally filled by Tejon Buchanan. Uh, Richard Larea sometimes fills the position, but he switches sides, uh, sometimes playing on the left. Um, that Larea is quoted primarily as a right defender, again, speaks to the fluidity of the position, as we've talked about, um, you know, with left back Sam Adekubi, um, who is quoted as a defender, but sometimes move, moves up to play midfielder. Um, similarly, Alf Alfonso Davies sometimes fills the position, though usually he's playing further forward. Um, so throughout a discussion, it is good to keep in mind that position and players are quite fluid here and, and for other teams. Um, you know, fans may recall that Alfonso Davies, usually on the left, was playing as a right midfielder uh, when he scored his excellent goal against Panama. So again, a lot of movement. Um, but um, Tejon Buchanan, you know, you would probably say um, would be the main candidate in, in the right midfielder, right winger position. Yeah, and I wonder if uh, right defender is uh, labelling uh, Richie Larea or Richie Lahi, however we pronounce it, uh, because he, he, he doesn't seem to be a right defender uh, anymore. Mm -hmm. I had to bring up that goal by Alphonse Davies. Do you like the way I slipped that in? That, that was, was where good. he stole the ball from on the sidelines uh, from, from a player who thought it was going out. Yeah, it just uh, highlighted just absolutely explosive pace, completely catching the defender by surprise, thinking Davies would never get to the ball, but he did and uh, had a clear run in on goal. Yeah, that's a goal worth uh, YouTubing if you haven't seen it. Uh, let's move over to the, uh, to the left side. And... Uh, uh, Alphonse Davies is really all over the field, uh, Alfonso Davies, um, but he is classified as a left winger here, and he usually starts somewhere near there. Uh, Junior Hoylet uh, started one game on the left and one game on the right, but he's generally been uh, injured during this period. Uh, Liam Miller seems to be his replacement, and he also has started one game on the left and one on the right. Uh, both of them are more often coming in as substitutes 
um, in recent times. But we'll have to see uh, where Hoylett stands when he comes back to health. As mentioned previously, Kamal Miller and Sam Adekube uh, sometimes come up from their more defensive role into a left midfield or a winger role. And we had mentioned uh, Will Johnson in, in our original player podcast uh, as a left midfielder, but he has not been uh, as uh, he hasn't been part of the team here. Yeah. All right, moving into defensive or central midfielders. Uh, Steven Eustachio is the main player here, and he's really been excellent in all of Canada's games. Um, he's partnered usually with Mark Anthony Kay and sometimes Atiba Hutchinson. Um, Samuel Piet started one game, but is more of a substitute. Uh, former captain Scott Arfield was not part of this qualifying and is presumably retired from international play. Um, he hasn't made an appearance uh, for Canada for um, a couple of years, I believe. Uh, yeah, let's take a look at his age. I wonder uh, if uh, if uh, he'll make it back to the team. What do you think? He's uh, 33 years old now. Yeah, he, he last appeared for the national team in November 2019. Um, I, I think Canada as a team is kind of using their young players and using kind of some of the pace and athleticism, which maybe at 33 he lacks. So given how well things are going, I don't really see him breaking in or upsetting the balance now yeah i mean at best uh, kind of a role like atiba hutchinson where he kind of uh maybe maybe comes in as a sub and is is kind of a morale leader on the bench uh, at best yeah okay well let's move on to forwards um i include attacking midfielders uh, in the forward line uh, here and generally the outside midfielders like Buchanan and uh, Davies play higher up the pitch uh, and will fill the attacking midfielder role but uh, those classified as attacking midfielders are Jonathan Osorio and David Wotherspoon uh, although I should point out that we had classified uh, Wotherspoon as a right midfielder in our previous report uh, Osorio has started four of the games and Wotherspoon has started one. Uh, and if Jonathan Osorio doesn't start, he generally comes in as a substitute. Looking and at that's forwards, all I have to say about that. All right. Well, we'll look at forwards then. Um, Canada usually uses one striker and it's typically Jonathan David or Kyle Lahren. Um, Lucas Cavallini has been used only sparingly. And when Canada does go with two, uh, and that's more when Canada does go with two strikers, he was out with a knee injury in the first game and was not selected uh, for three of the games in the middle. Um, the roving Alfonso Davies is also uh, sometimes in that role, but um, often it's, like we said, Jonathan David or Kyle Lahren, occasionally both. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, it's fluid enough that they actually uh, switch around a bit during the game. Uh, too. So we're just really uh, classifying them according to their uh, starting lineup. Uh, we have a couple of key substitutes uh, to mention. Um, uh, do you want to take us through that, Connor? Sure. So midfielders Liam Fraser and Jacob Schaffelberg both made two appearances off the bench. Uh, Liam Fraser had been in the Gold Cup, uh, though Schaffelberg was not. Um, Charles Andreas Britton was uh, subbed in briefly for three games in a row 
um, before suffering an ankle injury, uh, so missed the last two games. All right, and uh, just as a note, both Schaffelberg and Andreas Brim are uh, fairly uh, new players, but not as new as all that. They earned their first caps in uh, January 2020 uh, friendlies. And uh, finally, a name that I thought was off the team. Uh, I'm not sure if we mentioned him in the original part of podcast, but uh, Zachary brought Piard, uh, and that he's a right back, and he was on the game for uh, sorry on the bench for three games, but he didn't actually make it onto the field. Okay, and then uh, new players, um, new players. Yeah, just one to oh, mention I here. Um, and that's newcomer uh, Ike Ugbo. Um, he had a couple options. He was born in England, but also could have represented Nigeria, um, but has chosen Canada. Um, he came in for the last two games um, and made one brief appearance um, as a sub. Right. So he's uh, he's more a player to consider down the road. He, he didn't make uh, an impact yet, but he is here and maybe a sign of... Uh, uh, maybe a sign of players choosing Canada uh, now that we seem an exciting prospect for uh, for players. Yeah, and I should mention that he's a the forward. Last, yeah. Yes, he is a forward, yeah. Uh, okay, the last section deals with noticeably missing players. So uh, usually we're going to mention those in the course of the... Uh, uh, in the course of the... Um, going through the positions, but... Um, Sometimes there's a few players we overlook or we, we don't need to detail. Uh, so uh, Toe St. Ricketts uh, is a name maybe familiar to Canadian fans, but he last played in January 2020. And then we mentioned Scott Arfield and Will Johnson uh, above. Uh, finally, a few forwards, because we, we have quite a few uh, prospects to choose from here. Theo Corbino, um uh, Tesho Akindeli, uh, Tyler Pasher, uh, Harry Patton. I know we mentioned in the uh, first podcast, he's actually a central midfielder rather than a forward like the others. And finally, uh, Ayo Akindeli. Uh, Tyler Pasher and Harry Patton were not selected for any games despite, uh, well, actually, all of these have been uh, were selected for the Gold Cup. Uh, Ayo Akindeli uh, was out for all four games with a uh, sorry, all eight games with a cruciate ligament injury, uh, which, if you remember, he suffered in the Gold Cup. Yeah. So, any comments on those players, Connor? No, I think um, for some of them on the outside, it's going to be very difficult to break in. Um, you know, the team is playing well. We have a couple players who, if they don't start, are likely to come off the bench. You know, so I think kind of the top, you know, 15, 17 players are, are fairly well known. Um, and I think we'll do a, a brief uh, summary of that. Um, but I think for, for some of those who are a little bit further down the pecking order, it's going to be difficult to break in as long as a team continues to play well. Right. Yeah. But it is nice to uh, it is nice to have the bench strength. Um for sure. Okay, let's do a, a run through then, kind of the default lineups, the one who tend to be starting in the positions. Uh, do you want to go through that, Connor? 
Sure. Um, so goalkeeper at the start, it would typically be Milan Borian. Um, central defenders, um, Stephen Vittoria and Daniil Henry. Um, left backs, a bit fluid, as we mentioned, Kamal Miller and Sam Adekubi fighting for that spot, or sometimes both coming in. Um, and right back, uh, Alistair Johnson. Yeah, okay, I'll do the midfield. So um, uh, becoming a bit of a versatile midfielder is uh, Richie La La Lahi. I'm going to go by the name he asked to be pronounced by. Um, defensive midfielder Stephen uh, Ustakio is a real staple back there. Uh, Mark Anthony Kay, uh, not as much. He doesn't start all the games like Ustakio does. And Atiba Hutchinson uh, comes in once in a while. I wouldn't quite call him a starter. Uh, left midfielders, uh, Alfonso Davies uh, is, is a starter for every game. And Julia Hoyle, uh, depending on his health now, but he, he tends to start some, but not all. And finally, right midfielders, uh, Tejon Buchanan uh, uh, seems like a must every time. Yeah, and then going to forwards, um, Jonathan Azorio um, would be kind of the main attacking midfielder. And then forwards, um, as we mentioned, uh, Jonathan David and Kyle Laren, either one or both, uh, will start typically. Right. So you'll notice that you may notice there's more than 15 players there, but I can use the forwards as an example. Uh, Jonathan David and Kyle Laren, basically, uh, one of them will start. Uh, if not both of them, but uh, that's why there's more than 11 players uh, on the list. Let's uh, finish with um, a view to the future. We'll go back to Canada as a team and uh, look at the upcoming fixtures. Do you want to take it away there, Connor? Sure. You, you mentioned it earlier. Um, Canada has played five home games so far and just three on the road. Um so that means coming up, they have only two home games left and four on the road. Um, however, um, you know, they've, they've played Mexico twice and they've gone to the USA. Um, so they do play USA at home, but um, they're not kind of playing the other current top two. Um, what a game that stands out is a final game when they're on the road uh, to Panama um, Panama are fourth place and just a couple points behind Canada and first. So that could be a, a very crucial game. Um, again, their, their final game playing in Panama. Yeah, I mean, Canada, uh, sorry, Pan Panama has really outperformed themselves. I mean, at the beginning, we thought they would uh, be near the bottom of the table. And, uh, you know, good for them. But I'm, I, I wonder if they'll be able to sustain uh, the pace of the top three here um, uh, when it comes down to that game. Uh, it could be a very interesting game, but it, uh, I kind of suspect that Panama, uh, well, they may be fighting for fourth place there, but uh, I don't think they'll be challenging Canada. I don't think it'll be like a battle for fourth place or third place between them. Yeah, Canada will hope to go into that game having already um, you know, secured their spot um, yeah, I, you know, that said, Canada also beat Panama 4-1 in Canada, um, and looked a far superior team. Panama really barely threatened in that game, despite kind of getting an early goal. Um, I think for Canada, historically, um, going to Central America has been very difficult for them. Um, and they go to Central America four times still. However, the fact that they've gone to Mexico and got a result and played away in the U.S., you know, plus they've beaten 
um, you know, most of the Central American teams at home. Um, I don't think they they will go in as as fearful as as they used to. And I think they'll go in, you know, looking to get a draw at least, but trying to win some of those games as well. So um, that was something I brought up in the first podcast with Canada is could they get points on the road in Central America? Um, I think, you know, they're going to be difficult games, but on the evidence of their first eight games, I mean, I think certainly they can do it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, they haven't really played for a tie, even in the USA and, and Mexico. So I don't think they'll be playing for a tie in those countries. But having said that, I think uh, uh, fans like us will be will be happy with a with a tie. And if they can continue uh, generally getting a tie on the road and generally winning at home, uh, they should finish in the top four. For sure. Great. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. So uh, maybe once again, I will uh, iterate that we now have a website. Um, I'm just going to post it at the bottom here. Uh, it's at uh, soccerfiles at captivate.fm. And all of the podcasts we've done so far uh, are there. Um, and so if you would like to especially go back and, and uh, check out the almost the first half of the player file, this being the second half, uh, that would be the easiest way to find it. Yeah, otherwise we will uh, be back for the next team, uh, which is the USA. And uh, thanks very much for, for listening or for watching on YouTube. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>